Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. I have an important announcement and milestone documenting the growth of my emotional maturity. The date is June 28, 2022, for the first time in forever. I paid my bar dues on time. Just want you all to know. I am a member of the Georgia Bar, although I am in an active status. I cannot give you legal advice. I don't know why I keep my bar license. I really don't. I have no intention of going back to practicing law. But I feel like if the radio show doesn't work out, I mean, one day I could go be some ambulance chaser, I guess. I mean, I, I know how to write demand letters and all that. But I, I just don't want to. I don't I, I'm hoping the radio career lasts. I don't know why I continue to pay these people just for the privilege of being told I can't practice law and I'm an active law and an active lawyer. I, it has to do really with the psychology of years ago when I became a, a blogger and then was on CNN and would fill in for Rush Limbaugh. My, my, my parents still really didn't quite understand what I did for a living. And my mom would say, son, you've always got your law license if this doesn't work out. And I did work pretty doggone hard. I graduated law school with honors, passed the bar exam the first round, got a job with a good law firm that didn't pay much, but it was a good law firm. I feel like I should keep my law license, even though I don't practice law. But I don't know. Maybe one day I should give it. You know, the real reason that I keep the law license is because there's this magazine and, and it comes out every quarter and it's the Georgia Bar Journal. And all of my friends, myself included, the very first thing you do when you get this is you flip to the very back of the magazine and see who's been disbarred and find out if it's anybody you went to law school with. I've got my suspicions and a couple of them have appeared over the years. And I just it, like if you surrender your license, it, it's a thing. And, and, and because like Michelle Obama, when Barack was elected president, when Barry got to the presidency, Michelle Obama surrendered her bar license in Illinois. Well, it appeared in the Illinois Bar Journal. People like, oh, she got disbarred. I knew it. No. She gave up practicing law, and why do you want to keep paying these people hundreds of dollars a year when you're never going to practice law again? That's why I didn't. The reaction to Michelle Obama giving up her bar license, people would say, uh, Eric said he got disbarred. No, I'm not practicing law anymore. But then what if the career really did not work out? What if, what if I, I said one of those seven words on radio you're not supposed to say, and I got fired? I'd have to go back to practicing law. I mean, I, I hold up a sign on the side of the road, cardboard sign with written in the black magic marker, looking like a homeless man. I'm a lawyer. We'll take your case for a can of Hormel chili. I'm just saying. Got to move on now. When Elon Musk said he was going to buy Twitter for 40 some, ah, you're looking at the notes and you're thinking he's he's not talking about what he was going to talk about. No, I'm not talking about anything I told you I was going to talk about. Talking to my call screener here. I said, this is what I'm going to talk about in the third hour. She's looking over the notes and said, he's lost his mind. Yes, I have, but I haven't. I, the, I'll get to that. I will get to that. I just got sidetracked by the internet, that series of tubes that distracts me. 
Elon Musk says he's going to buy Twitter for 40 some odd million billion dollars. You know, he got quiet all of a sudden. He hadn't tweeted in a week. Buddy of mine has this theory that he's, he's figuring out how this Twitter algorithm works. And he's about to start tweeting again now, now that he's gotten the black box details and see how it actually works. Um, I don't know. But when he offered to pay like 40 some odd billion dollars, members of the media and people of the left said he could solve world hunger. That Elon Musk, he's such a bad man. He's he's suddenly in favor of freedom of speech. He wants conservatives, the troglodytes, to be able to speak. He could spend that money solving world hunger and let the conservatives starve to death. How? Why is he spending this money? I will no longer drive a battery-powered car. I will not. I will buy a gas-powered car, and I will kill the conservatives with global warming. I mean, they were an absolute meltdown. This man who was their hero, the man who pledged to solve global warming and then take himself to Mars. Suddenly, he couldn't get himself to Mars fast enough. They're like, you could solve world hunger. You know, we're spending like $100 billion in Ukraine and all these people are like, well, it's to kill the Russians, solve the population crisis. I mean, if we can print imaginary dollars to fight the Russians, why aren't we printing imaginary $45 billion to solve hunger? Or do they just want to be mad at, at Elon Musk? I, I say that because here is a list of TV programs canceled so far this year. I know what you did last summer streaming on Amazon. No, no, not the movie. They turned it into a TV show. One season canceled. The Lost Symbol on the Peacock streaming network affiliated with NBC. One season, it's gone. Gentified on Netflix, two seasons, now canceled. Cooking with Paris, one season, canceled. Bull on CBS, it lasted six seasons, it's canceled now. American Rust on Showtime, one season, canceled. Black Monday lasted three seasons on Showtime, it's canceled. Now Work in Progress, two seasons on Showtime, Canceled. Small Fortune on NBC, one season, canceled. Pooch Perfect, lasted one season on ABC, canceled. Bringing Up Bates, lasted for 10 seasons on Up TV. I have never heard of this show, and it was on for 10 seasons. The Hills, New Beginnings, I've heard of that garbage on MTV. It lasted two seasons, canceled. Ellen's Game of Games on MTBC. I've heard of that one, Ellen DeGeneres. Four seasons, she's gone. Love, Victor on Hulu, gone after three seasons. The Prince on HBO, gone after one season. Never heard of that. I'm an HBO Max subscriber, never heard of it. Now, I've heard of Atlanta, pretty classic show. It's coming into its last season. Four seasons, it's going to be gone. Marvelous Miss Maisel, I've watched it on Prime Video, gone after five seasons. Stranger Things, gone after five seasons. I've watched it. Ordinary Joe, one season on NBC. The Big Leap on Fox, gone after one season. Never have I ever, five seasons on Netflix, it's gone now. Wendy Williams Show, 13 years, it's now gone. Judge Jerry, canceled after two seasons, it's in syndication. New Amsterdam, five seasons on NBC, it's gone. The Babysitter's Club on Netflix, two seasons, now gone. Archive 81 on Netflix, now gone. Lock and Key on Netflix, gone after three seasons, that was a garbage show. I tried watching it, I gave up. On the Verge, one season on Netflix, gone. Snowfall on FX, canceled after six seasons. 
Raising Dion on Netflix, canceled after two seasons. The Last OG on TBS, canceled after four. Batwoman, the lesbian Batman, gone after three seasons on the CW. Space Force, it only existed to mock the Trump presidency. It's now gone after two seasons on Netflix. Legends of Tomorrow, it went for seven years. It's now canceled on CW. Saved by the Bell. They brought back Saved by the Bell? What the heck? On the Peacock. After two seasons, didn't make it. 4,400 on the CW, gone after a season. Be positive. I don't even know where that went, but it's gone after two seasons. Charmed, four seasons, gone. Dynasty, they brought back Dynasty on the CW. I forgot about that five years ago. It's gone now. Good Sam on CBS, gone after a season. How We Roll on CBS, gone after a season. In the Dark on CBS, gone after three seasons. Keenan on NBC after two seasons. Legacies gone from the CW on four seasons. Magnum PI's rebooted lasted four years longer than I expected. It's now gone after four years. Modoc on Hulu, one season. Mr. Mayor on NBC, two seasons. Naomi on the CW, one season. The Promised Land on ABC, one season. Queens on ABC, one season. Roswell, New Mexico, it lasted for four years, and now it's gone. The Endgame on NBC, one season. United States of Al, two seasons on CBS. Dollface on Hulu lasted two seasons. Riverdale finally ending after seven years. They actually don't look like they're prepubescent anymore, so they got to kill them off on the CW. The Midnight Gospel on Netflix, one season. Long, slow exhale on Spectrum, one season. Raised by Wolves on HBO, two seasons. Made for Love on HBO, two seasons. Snowpiercer, four seasons. If Charlie were here, he'd tell me to cut it out and move on now. And then Woke on Hulu, two seasons. All right, what's the method of my madness? These are the 62 shows, 61 shows that are being canceled. Some of them have lasted for years. Most of them, more than 50% of them, one year. And what those shows have in common, those one-year shows have in common, is almost to a show I could have told you it was not going to do well. It was going to be a garbage show. The moral of the story is not that I should be in Hollywood telling them what to do. The moral of the story is all of these Hollywood celebrities who demand that you and I pony up our tax dollars to pay for the social needs of the poor, and they are pouring all of their money into crap television that you and I combined could look at and say, this is not going to work. None of these shows. I know what you did last summer. It wasn't even a good movie when it was in the box office. But Hollywood has been throwing money every which way trying to find something that sticks. And the reality is we're actually in a really good age of television right now, of streaming services right now, of services right now. We, we, we've got amazing content. We've got amazing streaming. Look at what Disney has done with the Star Wars stuff. Obi-Wan Kenobi, it had it kind of went downhill after the first episode, but then at uh, the end it was amazing. HBO Max and some of the shows, um, Tokyo Vice. I, I, it's, it's got some, some sex and nudity and violence, some pretty explicit stuff there. But it, it's a remarkably good show on HBO. There's some really good stuff, but the level of continuous crap that Hollywood puts out, wastes money on, wants us to subscribe to, over promotes, and it's telling these people are telling us 
to pony up to solve the world's problems? These people are lecturing Elon Musk on what he should spend his money on? Maybe Hollywood should stop producing so much bad content, use a little more judgment in what it's producing, and spend that money on helping all the homeless people in downtown LA. Have you been to Los Angeles? It's been a while since I've been on Bill Maher's show. But when I go into Los Angeles for HBO and the like, there's like a homeless encampment up the street. The cars can barely go down the road. you got homeless people rolling out into the street from their tents. I mean, they've given these people tents. Atlanta's no better. There are parts of Atlanta. It really looks like the Boy Scouts must be there camping out. There's so many tents, and it's homeless people. Hollywood, instead of lecturing everyone else, could stop producing so much crap and maybe solve some of the world's problems. But no, 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 no. Their value is in making us feel something. I don't know because we don't watch these shows. They're garbage. What a waste of money and time and talent and opportunity, all because they're trying to lure you in to pay for one more streaming service that's just going to bankrupt us five bucks at a time. And then they want to tell us how we should spend our money to take care of the world when they can't even take care of providing us decent content enough to keep a subscription going. Maybe they should take a time out. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, More importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, You can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, you can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it. And I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. All right, I'm going to get back on track and go to the stuff I was going to talk about. When we come back, um, we do have to talk some about politics and and the despair that's setting in with the left, which is kind of funny when you think about it. Um, But right now... um, I gotta, I gotta go. There's, there's actually some breaking news, and I should probably do the breaking news before I do this. You, you know, I haven't really wanted to spend a lot of time on the January sixth stuff today. They decided to um, have a hearing today, and the hearing has been kind of more explosive than what a lot of people had expected. Um, No one had ever heard of Cassidy Hutchinson. She was Mark Meadows' assistant in the White House. And she, um, well, had some 
interesting things to say at the hearing today. Mr. Chairman, we... Well, let me rearrange my audio here so you can hear it. I had it piping out earlier. Uh, we'll begin today with an exchange that first provided Ms. Hutchinson a tangible sense of the ongoing planning for the events of January 6th. Mr. Giuliani and I were walking to his vehicles that evening. He looked at me and said something to the effect of, Cass, are you excited for the 6th? It's going to be a great day. I remember looking at him and saying, Rudy, could you explain what's, what's happening on the 6th? Uh, he, he had responded something to the effect of, we're going to the Capitol. It's going to be great. The president's going to be there. He's going to look powerful. He's, he's going to be with the members. He's going to be with the senators. Talk to the chief about it. Talk to the chief about it. He knows about it. And did you go back uh, then up to the West Wing and tell Mr. Meadows about your conversation with Mr. Giuliani? I did. After Mr. Giuliani had left the campus that evening, I went back up to our office and I found Mr. Meadows in his office on the couch. He was scrolling through his phone. I remember leaning against the doorway and saying, I had an interesting conversation with Rudy, Mark. Sounds like we're going to go to the Capitol. He didn't look up from his phone and said something to the effect of, there's a lot going on, Cass, but I don't know. Things might get real, real bad on January 6th. Uh, Ms. Hutchinson, Mr. Meadows is engaged in litigation with the committee to try to avoid testifying here. Um, what, what was your reaction when he said to you things might get real, real bad? In the days before January 2nd, I was apprehensive about the 6th. I had heard general plans for a rally. Uh, I had heard tentative movements to potentially go to the Capitol. But when hearing Rudy's take on January 6th and then Mark's response, that was the first, that evening was the first moment that I remember feeling scared and nervous for what could happen on January 6th. As you can imagine, the media is saying this suggests the president of the United States intended to go to the Capitol, command the forces and execute a coup. In law school, we learned about hearsay. The statements of another person taken for the truth of the matter asserted are excluded. This is hearsay. We, we don't know Mark Meadows' side of the story. Uh, maybe we will. Uh, what I can guarantee you, though, is going to happen with the way the media is covering the story today is you're going to hear less and less about the Dobbs case. While the media focuses on January 6th, they're going to pivot back to it. And that's going to frustrate progressive activists who want a full-throated effort by the media and the Democrats to go after Dobbs. They're, they're not going to be they, – maybe they should be able to multitask, but they're not going to be able to multitask. And because they're not going to be able to multitask, they're going to have to decide the priority. And they are emotionally invested in January 6th more than they are abortion right now. And that's going to cause fallout for the Democratic base in November when they're fixated on January 6th. And if they don't continue to fixate on January 6th and they go to abortion, well, then that's going to make it look like this was all a bunch of spectacle and a waste of time. And that's going to make other portions of the Democratic base and the media mad. Yes, you and I, you listening to me right now, they can multitask. They, they should, but they can't. Have you not been paying attention? They're not capable of having two competing thoughts in their head at one time in the press. 
and among the Democratic base. They got to pick one. And this is really compelling, and you got witnesses and stuff. And Dobbs, well, I mean, there's not much they can do about Dobbs. That's the problem here for the Democrats. It's it's an interesting situation. It's compelling testimony. Mick Mulvaney has come out, the former White House chief of staff for Trump, and, and asserted he knows this woman and she's highly credible. Will we hear from Mark Meadows? Probably not. Does it matter? No. Gas is over $5. It does not matter, even if it should matter. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, except it doesn't matter because gas is too high. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the nation. I resume regularly scheduled programming. And I want to talk about, well, Democratic despair because it makes me happy. <laughs> no, no, no. In all seriousness, the, the Washington Post's uh, Michael Shearer has this article. And let me read some of this to you. If you text data to 33777 to get my daily show notes, you would find this link. President Biden quoted liberal icon Franklin Delano Roosevelt when he first addressed Congress last year, laying out a broad policy plan with New Deal-sized ambition. Curb climate change, reduce college and drug costs, raise corporate taxes, subsidize child care, continue tax rebates for parents, among other initiatives. Fourteen months later, despite unified Democratic control of the House, Senate, and White House, none of that has passed into law. At the same time... The conservative rebellion birthed in response to Roosevelt's legacy notched major policy victories in the courts and states across the country. The conservative Supreme Court's landmark victories this week on abortion and guns capped a year-long string of victories on the right, especially in 23 states, including giants like Texas and Florida, where conservatives control all branches of elected government. Republicans have expanded school choice, reshaped school curricula, curbed voter access, lowered taxes, and launched a new wave of culture wars against gay, lesbian, and transgender Americans. While the court overturning Roe v. Wade and the constitutional right to abortion on Friday and curtailing restrictions on gun ownership on Thursday, conservative activists have had reason to celebrate amid growing hopes of retaking the House and Senate in the fall. You don't plant and reap at the same time. That's a long process. The fruit of yesterday has been a long time coming, Tony Perkins, President of the Family Research Council said Saturday, there were times I didn't even think we would get to this point. Liberals, meanwhile, have grown increasingly concerned they will lose their chance to fully capitalize on control of both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue, a position of unified power that Democrats last held after the 92 and 2008 elections. Leaders of both parties expect a Republican takeover of the House in the midterms. For the conservative movement, the liberal frustration is its own victory. At the root of the Democratic struggles is the tenuous nature of Biden's victory in the 2020 election cycle. Although he beat Trump, Republicans picked up net of 14 seats in the House and flipped the New Hampshire state legislature. Republicans now control both the House and Senate in 30 states, compared with 17 states in Democratic control. According to the National Conference of State Legislature, since Biden's inauguration, the 50 senators who caucus with Democrats have struggled to unite around his agenda. I can stop there. There are some points I want to make. For 50 years, for 50 years, no, 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 let's, 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 let's go to 30 
years. No, 50, 50 years, 50 years. We'll start at 50 years back. Roe v. Wade. Even many of the Republican leaders were Rockefeller Republicans. Nelson Rockefeller, uh, the uh, vice presidential candidate, vice president, he was a liberal Republican, a big government Republican. When it wasn't a conservative at all, he was a he was progressive. The descendants, those Rockefeller Republicans, are the uh, pro-gay rights, pro-abortion Republicans who you can still find in Republican leadership around the country. You're far more likely to find a Republican who supports gay marriage and abortion than you are to find a Democrat who supports or who does not support gay marriage or abortion. The Republicans actually have a bigger tent, but you wouldn't know that from the media coverage for the last 50 years. The Democrats have taken over academic institutions, theological institutions outside of the evangelicalism. They've taken over the bureaucracies of the government. They've taken over the news media. All of the major cultural outlets of this country are controlled by the left. The news media. I can tell you, I've worked at CNN and Fox. You can find as many liberals at Fox as you do CNN. Fox just makes its money off conservatives, so they do better reaching out to them. But behind the scenes, a lot of the people at Fox, you wouldn't know. They're on big on abortion rights, too. Progressivism, too. Fox ran transgender propaganda just the other day in the news hour. Well-crafted package promoting transgender rights in the country. Fox did that, not CNN. They're progressives at Fox. CNN, they're more open about it. You know, when I was at Fox, people could come up to me in the hallway and say, hey, I love what you wrote today. At CNN, they had to pull me down a, a corner hallway where no one could see us and whisper, I liked what you wrote. Thank you. I'm one of the few. It's like being in the witness protection program at CNN if you're conservative. New York Times, The Washington Post, USA Today, hell, Gannett, which owns USA Today, has got rid of the editorial pages nationwide because their employees do not like having to feature conservative voices. Seriously, they got rid of the editorial section at USA Today because their employees were triggered by conservative voices on the editorial page. Hollywood, culturally in the left. Universities, even my alma mater, Mercy University, is drifting further and further left. Georgia Tech, I mean, Georgia Tech lost a lawsuit because they were persecuting Christians on campus, literally persecuting Christians on campus. Georgia Tech. Gwinnett College here in Georgia lost a case. They were persecuting Christians on campus. They were they were assessed a dollar in damages. Pay attention if you're a Georgia taxpayer to this one. Georgia Gwinnett College had to pay a dollar in damages. They fought the lawsuit. They now have to pay almost a million dollars because they fought the lawsuit. They were persecuting Christians on campus, literally persecuting Christians on campus at Georgia Gwinnett College. They've done it at Kennesaw State in Georgia. They've done it at uh, Georgia Tech. It makes you wonder, for a state so solidly Republican, why are Christians being persecuted on campuses? But they are. The lawsuit in this case, Georgia Gwinnett, uh, a student wanted to share his faith on campus. They told him he couldn't unless he sat in a free speech zone. So he went to the free speech zone and said, ah, you, you can't do it there either unless you unless you show up from 8 to 10 in the morning when no one's on campus. He sued. He won, of course. Um, 
the left controls the cultural institutions in this country, the media, the New York Times, Harvard, Yale, and they control the political, major political institutions of the country, Congress. They control the White House. They control the bureaucracies. I mean, this is one of the big deals with the Chevron uh, doctrine case maybe coming tomorrow with West Virginia versus EPA because the left has embedded within the federal bureaucracy now and writes rules, even when a Republican isn't the president, that push the country to the left through regulation. And if Chevron falls, all of those rules go out the window. The only institution they don't control right now is the Supreme Court, and they did for 50 years. And what happened in those 50 years? Republicans began working in democracy. They got organized. Conservatives started electing people who pledged to be originalists and find originalist judges and pledged to be pro-life. And they elected them at the local level, and then they elected them at the state level, and then they elected them at the federal level, and then they rallied around presidents. And then those presidents put forth judges, and those judges got confirmed by the Senate. And for 50 years, slowly, plottingly, the Republicans were able to persuade people through the democratic process. I want to go to this audio by Essie Cup from CNN. She's an atheist, libertarian, well was. She's very liberal now. Listen. It's hard to imagine the Republican Party surviving this. Um, Between anti-abortion, anti-LGBTQ, book banning. Hard to say, imagine the Republican Party surviving. You know what? The culturally lead in this country believe that crap. They believe it. And so it influences them on television and radio. It influences their analyses. It influences the anchors and the editors and the producers. It influences them. The death of the Republican Party has been predicted since Richard Nixon's reelection in 1972. Demography is destiny. The last of the GOP is coming to an end because of the white voters. They never saw the Hispanic flip coming. Time magazine put uh, RIP GOP on its front cover several years ago. Now a wave of Republican voters coming to the polls. See, the real thing here is that if the GOP did not go with the Dobbs case, had the GOP, had the Supreme Court not thrown out Roe v. Wade with Dobbs, that would have ended the Republican Party. Because for 50 years, the Republican Party has been built as a pro-life movement to end Roe v. Wade. And they finally got six justices on the Supreme Court, all of whom were originalists, all of whom said they would read the Constitution as the founders intended. And if the founders didn't say a right was there, there couldn't be a right there. And that was code for abortion was not in the Constitution. We will get rid of it. Had they not done so, the GOP would be dead today. The entirety of the Republican Party base would walk away, save for 50 years we poured our energy into this. For 50 years we worked to get to this moment. For 50 years, and we got here, and we did it. The setback of Casey in 1991, Casey versus Planned Parenthood, is nothing compared to now because now we knew it. John Roberts' wife was the head of a pro-life group. Brett Kavanaugh, his family supported the pro-life cause. Amy Coney Barrett supported the pro-life cause. Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, all of them. If these men and women would not return Roe v. Wade to the states, no one would. And they'd give up and the Republican Party would collapse. And instead, what's happening? 
They don't control the newspapers. They don't control the TV stations. They don't control the TV networks. They don't control the news stations. They don't control the academy. They don't control the tastemakers. They don't control any of this stuff. And they're winning. They're winning anyway because they're winning with the voters because they've had to come up with compelling arguments for the voters. When the Democrats pour their heart and soul into fighting on culture, Republicans stick to the economy and it works. When Democrats pour their heart and soul into the economy, Republicans pivot to the culture war, and it works. The Democrats are now in such a bubble with the media, they think everybody agrees with them on the stuff, and they don't. And it has deeply impacted the politics of this country. It has deeply impacted the direction of this country. I want you to listen to this clip from Ron DeSantis. While the Democrats are screaming culture war right now, what is DeSantis focused on in Florida? There aren't very many places that you can go and get a credible four-year degree and pay $6,000, for tuition. That's just not even in the realm of possibility in, in almost any other place uh, throughout the country. But certainly, it's not the case if you have a high-quality institution. And so we think it's very important that this remain affordable. Uh, I'm a big believer in higher education, but I'm not a big believer in plunging people $150,000 in debt with a degree in zombie studies. That is not a pathway to success. And so uh, the idea that do whatever you need to do, mortgage your entire future just to get a piece of paper, uh, that's bad advice. Uh, That's not advice that that we provide uh, in the state of Florida. Essentially, Ron DeSantis is out there making college cheaper. And you know what else he did? You know all those schools that require you to graduate from high school. You got to do so many volunteer hours. You got to do so many pro bono hours. You got to work at charities. You got to do outside work. He signed a law saying you can't do that anymore or you can do it unless a kid has to work. If a kid has a job outside of high school, you can't make that kid be required to do all the service hours to graduate from high school because most of those kids, their families need the money. They need the money. They're saving up to go to college. Why should you punish them and say you have to go do volunteer hours? You you can't go to work and prove you're responsible by going to work. You got to go do all this other stuff. Well, they got to work. Their families are poor. So Ron DeSantis literally in this signed a law to lower the cost of education and said, if your kid has a day job after school and during the summer, you can't make that kid stop working to go get volunteer hours just to satisfy a graduation requirement. They're already proving their character by being a hard worker. He's meaningfully improving the lives of people in education. And and you wouldn't know this from the media. They're focused on DeSantis, the culture warrior, Disney and COVID. Because the media and the Democrats are in a bubble, they've stopped being able to talk to you and me. They've stopped being able to understand our arguments, and they've stopped being able to reach out to the American people. They've stopped. And as a result, Republicans keep winning because we have remembered you have to talk to the voters. You have to talk to the voters. Democrats now just talk to themselves, and that's their problem. Somebody you need to talk to given the state of our economy right now, my friends at GoldCo, the Dow Jones is down almost 500 points right now. NASDAQ down 200 points. S&P down 75 points. Uh, You probably want to call my friends at GoldCo if you're nervous about your retirement savings. You got $50,000 in your IRA, your 401k, more. You need some stability. Reach out to GoldCo. They can give you a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. 
The phone number is 855-904-5933, 855-904-5933. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. So call my friends at Goldco. Find out how you qualify for their special offer. They've helped thousands of Americans. If nothing else, call them, get their free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Uh, instead of giving you the toll-free number again, uh, let me give you my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Text it to 33777 like you do everything else, Eric to 33777, and I'll send you back their uh, toll-free number. Call them. Tell them I sent you. See if they're a good fit for you in your retirement. At least get the free wealth protection kit from them. Text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. I need to end today, unfortunately, on a somber note. (sighs) At least 50 people have been found dead in an abandoned 18-wheeler in San Antonio. It's the deadliest migrant smuggling operation in memory, if not history. 16 people have been hospitalized. A tractor-trailer found near Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio contained the bodies of 50 dead people, along with 16 others who've been taken to hospitals. Local officials said federal authorities are now investigating the case and that three people were in custody. It was unclear if they were connected to the incident. A U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement spokesman said Homeland Security Investigations is leading the investigation. Federal, state, and local authorities believe that the victims were migrants, Cross-border smuggling and human trafficking have been longstanding problems at the Mexican border, but the deaths of 50 people is stunning, they say. Horrific as this tragic loss of life near San Antonio, this speaks to the desperation of migrants who would put their lives in the hands of callous human smugglers who show no no regard for human life. Authorities received the first call about the truck before 6 p.m. from a worker in the area who heard a cry for help and went to investigate. According to a law enforcement official, it appears people were trying to jump out of the tractor trailer because some of the deceased were found along several blocks. The tractor trailer had a refrigeration system, but it didn't work. Many of the people found inside the vehicle appeared to have been sprinkled with steak seasoning in an attempt to cover up the smell of the people as the smugglers were transporting them. Authorities said the truck's doors were partially opened, a body was outside the vehicle, and the rest were inside. Twelve adults and four children were taken to the hospital. They were hot to the touch and were suffering from heat stroke. The temperature has hovered above 100 degrees for 16 days. If the Biden administration actually secured our border, these people would not have died, and that's just the truth. If the Biden administration had clamped down, this would not have happened, and that's the truth. If Homeland Security had done its job to secure the border, this would not have happened, and that's the truth. These people died because the Biden administration has constantly incentivized people to come into this country illegally and let them roam free. And they were desperate because of desperate situations south of the border. And The Biden administration failed, and these people died, and that's the truth, and they don't want to take the blame. And the media would prefer to talk about Roe v. Wade and killing kids than the Biden administration letting 50 people die in a tractor-trailer truck.